Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters Podcast, Season 2, Episode 14. Tegan, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. Got my new Colville book that just came out today or uh, yesterday as you guys are listening to it and been spending too much of my work day probably reading. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, always good to see something new come out. And uh, that's perfect for today's uh, episode as we're going to talk about uh, getting inspiration from other tabletop systems and whatnot. Uh, many, many resources out there. Uh, we're going to just uh, a few things that, you know, you and I, Tegan, we enjoy from other systems and, and how you can maybe bring them into Star Wars 5e. Before we get into that, a couple announcements on our end. Uh, of course, check out uh, DungeonJediMasters.com for links to all of our content out there, including this podcast, YouTube, Twitch channel for live plays, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, of course, uh, our Patreon, uh, which helps support this podcast and the content we create. Uh, we do appreciate every one of you Patreons out there that help support us. And we do have some new Patreons as well to give a shout out to. So uh, we have three new tier two members, uh, Darth Chimo, uh, Mojcek, and Red Storm. Thank you. And then on the tier three side, we have Goblin Lover and John. John is, uh, took advantage of that annual discount there. So if you want to get in for a year and, and save a little bit, that's a good way to do it. So thank you to all of you and everyone else existing. We appreciate it very much. Uh, as we mentioned recently, saw on the uh, subreddit, Star Wars 5e, we, we like to do some freebies here and there. And uh, we're going to try and get another one out that kind of goes along with this episode as well. Um, a little bit of a, not a full encounter, but uh, some suggestions from some of the mechanics we're going to talk about today to throw into your game. Uh, so that'll be out uh, this week, Wednesday, we're going to aim for. So check that. That'll be for free on the Patreon as well. Uh, I think that's everything on our end. So we can switch over to a couple new Star Wars 5e pieces of content. Uh, Tegan, first uh, multi-class feats. Tell us about that. So this is one of my favorite new releases that's come out. Uh, I think I've mentioned on the show a lot that I like to multi-class. Uh, this is a cool way to multi-class if you're going to do a decent level campaigns, so at least level seven, uh, to be able to get your multi-class, pay a fee, but then still kind of offset some of the, uh, the, 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 the things you lose behind with multi-classing. Uh, it's like, for instance, uh, let me give you one. Uh, so each of these, so they're broken out by all the classes. So every class has their own. The nice thing is that every class has one for every other class. So, for instance, like if you wanted to be a, a berserker uh, and a scout, they've got the berserker technique where you have to spend at least three levels in being a berserker, three levels of being a scout, uh, and then you get uh, a couple of bonuses with it. So cool thing too, this is a, a half feat. So you get a one ability score that you can round up to 20 uh, of your choice. Uh, so you get one point that you can put anywhere you like. Uh, but the other cool pieces with it is you're going to be able to add your scout levels to your berserker levels when determining number of times you can go into a range or determining your ranger's quarry die uh, for the scout. Uh, so all the feats are kind of set up like that. So one of your class features, you're going to be able to 
be this uh so like, let's say you're level seven in this because you have to be level four in one of those classes to pick up the feet uh you'll be able to add those levels together and uh like i say for a monk you could add those together and you get your martial arts die and say you're uh up to levels uh, 1d6 and say you're a berserker as well you get um x amount of rages they get at level seven as well uh so it's kind of cool way to do that uh, it's balanced for dms because you have to pay a feat to do so so you don't have to worry about somebody getting op on it they have to actually kind of plan their build out uh but it's a good way if you had a real good multi-class you wanted to do to be able to balance it out without having to just really kind of lose out on too much uh, so definitely check that out if you haven't yeah very nice so lots of more versatility to uh to multi-classing as he said and another good addition to the system uh, the other uh, update that we're going to talk about that's been out in the last couple of weeks is a new uh, archetype for the scout. This is the artillerist technique, the companionless version. Uh, running through a couple of features here for this archetype. Uh, first at level three, you're going to get uh, modular munitions. Uh, it starts off with when you're casting a tech power, rather than that effect happening instantly, you can choose to delay it uh, to occur on initiative count 20. So generally top of the order, we'll lose any uh, ties with initiative with other creatures and whatnot. If any creatures leave the affected area, or if the power only targets one creature and the creatures move, the power automatically misses them. What you get out of here is when you do delay your tech power in this way, uh, you have uh, one of three effects that you can apply to that. Uh, flashbang, Mire, and Sight. So Flashbang, uh, each creature damaged by the power must succeed on a con saving throw or be blinded and deafened until the start of your next turn. Mire, uh, each creature damaged by this power must succeed on a dexterity saving throw or gain one slowed level until the start of your next turn. And uh, maybe it's Psyche. Uh, each creature damaged by this power must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or become frightened until the start of your next turn. So three great options. Uh, Tegan, we talked about conditions and things uh, a couple episodes ago, and, and this really plays on that uh, and, and gives you some versatility with some of the uh, tech powers and the way they um, getting a little bit extra out of them if, if you are willing to potentially have that delay in the power uh, when it goes off. So that's uh, basically the bulk of uh, the level main level three feature. Uh, at uh, next up, you have Mark of the Artillerist at third and eleventh level. Uh, you get to use your Ranger's Quarry feature on a ten foot cube within sixty feet of you. Uh, so that's great. It's expanding that, which uh, you know you're going to be able to get up to uh, four creatures actually in a, in a ten foot cube. So that's great using the features there. Um, at the eleventh level, it goes up to a fifteen foot cube. So that's uh, Fantastic there, just expanding there. Uh, there's a few more uh, features with that archetype, so check it out on the website uh, and the subreddit uh, if you want to uh, look at this archetype. So I think that's everything uh, for announcements and whatnot. Uh, let's get into today's topic. Uh, Tegan, so we talked about, I mentioned at the beginning, uh, we're going to talk about getting inspiration from other, other tabletop games. Uh, mechanics, um, rules, whatever it is. Um, these are things that, you know, a few things that I'm familiar with. I know you've got some uh, from games that you've played and, and um, just seen some other suggestions out there. But uh, I think there's a lot here that a player can bring into their game, a DM can bring into their game and just add a little bit more to it. And uh, we'll try to give you guys some examples as we go along as well. So I've done, I, I've, I've kind of browsed over a lot of uh, other systems. I've played in a couple other ones. I'm trying to expand that. But of course, as we all know, uh, you can only cram so much games into uh, 
a week or whatnot. And um, yeah, Tegan, what, uh, so I've got, see, I'm playing Savage Worlds as one of my other systems. Um, and I've read over Call of Cthulhu, Stars Without Number, Mothership, Blades in the Dark, just to kind of name a few of them. Uh, how about on your end, what all else are you familiar with? Definitely. So I just finished a short play-by-post for Dungeon Worlds. Uh, I'm going to be starting a scum and villainy dungeon, or kind of play-by-post. And that's the hard thing, like you mentioned, with time. So most of my uh, other systems that I get to play are usually going to be stuck in play-by-post, uh, just because I don't really have much free time for actually like nights I can dedicate to other tabletop games. But uh, play-by-post is a great way for that. If you if you haven't tried it, to be able to get to try something new, uh, it's slower, and it, it takes you a while to get a feel for the system, but it's a good way to do it if time's limited for you. Uh, so those two, uh, Pathfinder 2, which is another one, unfortunately, by play by, play by post, that's a big one. I wanna, if I would, I can find another day or time I want to play like in real life because that was a lot of fun, a little crunchy, but I like crunch. So uh, that's a cool one. Um, outside of that, uh, I played uh, 3.5 uh, as well as Pathfinder 1 edition, so 1 and 2. Uh, but those ones are years ago, and I don't really remember too much about them. Uh, and a very little bit of 4E, uh, mostly just kind of uh, I went backwards to play 4E just to pick up some of the other big things from it. Uh, but those, those are usually the main ones I've played outside of that. Nice, yeah. The, uh, the Scum and Villainy, which is um, Forged in the Dark, right? Uh, I think so. It's, it's kind of similar to Blades. Uh, so it's the sci-fi version. Of yeah. It. Yeah. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's another one I'd love to check out too, as well. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, so these are, as I said, these are a few things that we've picked up or, or looked at from other systems. And, um, you know, I mentioned uh, Blades in the Dark uh, there. So jump in with that. Uh, one mechanic that they have, feature they have is uh, progress clocks. Uh, progress clocks are very cool. It's essentially uh you know as it is it's a clock to track progress in the game and it it can be you know there's there's a lot of things that it can track it um you can look at you know a problem that you have uh, that the players are going up against and show them this pie chart and it'll track the progress um and and there's there's many different ways you can use this uh you can have a danger clock uh, as you fill in the pie slices uh greater danger um maybe they're getting to alert guards on patrol for example uh, another one is a racing clock. You could have two clocks, and the examples from Blades in the Dark is uh, you are escaping. That's one clock. The other one is uh, cornered, and if you, you know, your your party wants to fill up your clock of escape before the other one does. One I have used before, tug of war, uh, and this one I just used. It was like a strip, so it was like they started in the middle, and it was kind of a temperature gauge, and it used a little bit of a skill challenge. And the players went around and they were doing a social challenge to try and gain information. And if they failed, it went down uh, into like the red zone. If they succeeded, it moved up towards the green zone and it could fluctuate up and down, you know, that tug of war. And then at the end of the challenge, wherever they were, it had an effect going forward. So if they were in the red, then the enemy was tipped off that they were searching for them and they're going to have reinforcements waiting. If uh, the opposite happened, then, you know, they didn't have as much of that enemies to face when they got to the uh, hideout they were going after. So, you know, those are those are a few ways to use this. Uh, it's very cool. One thing I love about the clocks is when I, I put that up in, you know, we've, we've mostly been doing digital gameplay recently. Um, I put that uh, little clock, that meter on screen and my players saw that and then they saw a little token move up and down and they were all like, 
what the hell is that? What does that mean? And it was such a cool reaction to listen to. And they were just kind of like on edge. So it's, it's fun too, if you don't necessarily spell it out either. This is a good, a ticking clock is always a good way to get some tension going and uh, kind of get everybody invested and really kind of hone again, especially when it starts to, to look dire. It's a good way just to kind of wrap that up to a level 11 for it. Absolutely. And I think the main example they give for these, and I think it's like perfect, is is sneaking around. And then the, the clock is basically um, the alert level of the patrolling guards. I think that's a perfect use of it. And it would be just be really cool. Kind of, okay, you're getting close. You might set it off and... You know, sometimes you have a clock that can only go up, it doesn't go down, or sometimes you can do something that, you know, brings it back down. So definitely a cool one. I would check that out. Next, another one, uh, as I mentioned, I've been playing a lot of Savage Worlds as well. I really enjoy that system also, and that has a lot of cool uh, features and mechanics. One little uh, RP heavy mechanic is interludes. Uh, This is very cool. Uh, So it's basically a you know, a table-like system that um, Savage Worlds use playing cards for some of their things. So you draw a card and then the suit of the card uh, determines a category. And then there's three choices within each, a downtime, backstory, and trek. And essentially it's just an RP moment to go ahead and answer the question there and tell a story. A great way to use this is uh, in Star Wars 5e would be space travel. Maybe you guys are, are traveling from, you know, just a hyperspace route and uh you know there's some downtime and i think often it's just like okay you guys travel through the thing and if 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 you don't set up an encounter for something you just go from point a to point b but this is an opportunity to maybe talk about something uh you know flesh out some some uh, backstory for your characters and then also if there's uh, something comes up like uh or, or even after a fight uh, and then you go talk to the townsfolk about how it went down you know use an interlude and, and help it kind of structure what happened there so that's another fun one that you could easily uh, bring over uh, it's always nice especially with star wars you, as you mentioned you've got a lot of that ship time it'd be a good way to either develop a more interconnection between the, the different party members or uh kind of theories on what's going on with the story it just, it just gives a lot more time to kind of build and kind of help flesh out people's characters in the world itself Absolutely. You know, and even just, uh, I like this system because it, it just the way that it gives the, um, gives the choices, uh, presents the choices, but I've even seen a, just a D 100 list of, uh, I think it's called like campfire questions or something and you just roll it and then throw them out there to your players. You know, how do you tell us about, you know, something from your past kind of a thing. So another one, and a lot of people are probably familiar with this one, but um, from 4E, I know you mentioned uh, some familiarity with that. Uh, Minions. Uh, Minions are a great one to use. So tell us, uh, I know you have a little more experience with that one. Yeah, Minions are a fun one to use, especially because uh, everybody's done 5E where you want to have one big boss and like your players will just stop them out. Right? No matter how tough you make them, what CR you use, if you have one big guy, he's going to get taken out. Uh, but a lot of times the DM, if, especially if you've got a complicated boss, you don't want to have complicated uh, kind of other underlings helping out with it. Uh, so a cool way to do this is just to do the minion rule for 4E, uh, which the, the minion rules for it, uh, you can do it one of two ways. Uh, so I, I mix between the two depending on how the fight's going. Uh, so you can either have the minion just have one HP, uh, or um, sometimes I do it with uh, two hits. So no matter what the two hits are, uh, the two hits will kill it. Uh, but basically, the, the minions also have the evasion feat, too. So if somebody hits an explosion uh, and they succeed on their dexterity save, they're good to go. If they fail, they die like normal, but if they succeed, they pretty much act like they didn't take any damage on it. 
uh, but they're a great way to do it. Uh, and I, I think the CR rule for uh, is, I have, to, I have to look it up. I'm pretty sure uh, using a minion is one fourth of the usual CR. So you can throw in four of them for the typical CR for it. Uh, it's just a good way to add in some extra challenge there. Uh, let your players blast away some mooks without uh, feeling bad about it or having to put too much effort into it. Uh, and then give your boss some cover, give him some more action economy so he doesn't have to get just swarmed by the party. Uh, if you're not using this, I definitely recommend it. Uh, and especially a lot of people think it just has to be the one HP. I, I personally prefer that two hit system. Gives them a little bit of bounce to it so like they can hang out for a little bit longer and you don't have to have just a swarm of them, uh, but still makes them go down quick and makes them have to track their HP and all that. You just track they've been hit. So one of my favorites there. Yeah, it's definitely a good one. Um, and I, I like your two, two hit rule as well. It's, it's fun. I've actually kind of just done that uh, with some regular enemies as well as once you guys get three hits on this, he's going to kind of go down. So um, definitely a good one to add to battles. Uh, sticking with 4E, uh, I know they have, I think 5E has its own skill challenge rules uh, potentially, but um, 4E skill challenges, I think a lot of people kind of reference that one. Um, you're, you're familiar with that one as well, right, Tigo? Definitely. And uh, I don't know if you guys have saw but if you haven't, check out the Hunted Campaign. I've done that a couple times recently um, with the crew there. Um, I love these. Uh, they're a great way uh, if you want to have like a, for lack of a better word, cutscene or cinematic piece with the group uh, to be able to do this, like especially if they're fighting like a Excuse me, like a large battle or they're escaping from somewhere or just doing something big where you don't want to have a combat or you just don't want to have a long drawn out session skill skill adventures can be the way to do this uh and 4e had it best i don't know if 5e converted it before e had like a really good system for it uh basically for the nuts and bolts side of it uh is you set uh, a determined amount of successes compared to three failures uh, so uh, however difficult you want it to be, you can make it easy, make three successes to three failures. Uh, you can make it hard, 10 successes to uh, three failures, just depending on what they're doing. Uh, and then you either, you can do it either way. Um, I like to set a DC and they usually recommend setting a DC, uh, but you can also raise and lower the DC based on what people are pitching. Uh, and then basically you just kind of let them loose in the scenario uh, and they propose what they want to do. And this is one thing I'd encourage you to, because it can really help up the RP, uh, have the people propose what they want to do in the situation. Uh, so let's say like you're trying to scale a mountain, uh, like rather than say I roll athletics, say uh, I'm going to get my heart, like uh, my, um, climbing tools out, throw one of the spikes in and try to haul myself up. Uh, just really kind of like go into detail, try to find some cool ways to enhance the RP. Uh, and then uh, as you go through, you can kind of have them go against that DC and you pick the skill and have them roll for it. And if they hit it, they get a success. If they fail, they get a failure. Uh, and they always kind of have some good fail states too. Uh, so sometimes with the failure, each individual failure, I may have them roll uh, some die to see if they take damage from it. Uh, and then also if they completely fail the challenge, there's always like a fail state behind it, uh, which will, it's not like they're going to die, but it's going to be something that's going to be much more difficult to get through the success state. Uh, it's really one of my favorite features for you. Yeah, good setback, essentially. Um, Saga edition of, I believe it's Saga edition, uh, potentially the version before that, uh, Star Wars uh, D20. Uh, but either way, uh, also look for that with skill challenges. They, I think they basically use the same system uh, as 4E, uh, but they also added a little bit of extra things potentially um, with the way that they build those out. And I can't think of how they call them and whatnot, but uh, yeah, skill challenge in general, a lot of fun. So look, uh, look to add those in a way you can. 
Um, so these next two uh, potentially can relate to skill challenge, challenges. Uh, they definitely relate to anything else. Um, two very cool uh, rules mechanics. Uh, the first one is another one from Blades in the Dark, uh, Devil's Bargain. Uh, and so this is essentially, this allows you to gain a bonus prior to the roll. Uh, so, and this is, a lot of this is based on like the system and, and the setting for that system. But uh, essentially, you want to, you're going to do something challenging potentially or whatever, and you want to make sure that you're successful. So you're going to try and gain a, uh, gain a bonus on that roll. Uh, essentially, you're going to ask the DM for a devil's bargain, and they will come back to you with, with an offer uh, to gain that bonus. And, you know, the, the specific examples from Blades in the Dark are going to be collateral damage, unintended harm. Uh, maybe you sacrifice uh, money or an item, something like that. Maybe you betray a friend. So it, it's a trade-off here. How, what are you willing to give up in order to get this uh, bonus because you really need to succeed here? So uh, definitely something you could use in, in a Star Wars 5e game. As I mentioned with those... Uh, those examples, I mean, just bring that into your game. Okay, you are really trying to, you know, hack into the computer and you need to make sure this happens. Uh, you know, what, it, what is going to be that, that cost of, of getting a bonus to that? Um, maybe it's just a matter of time or maybe you fry, you know, fry your equipment, but you, you get through something like that. Um, so very cool system there. The one cool thing you can do with it too, especially if you're using the variant rule um, with uh, the light and dark side points, uh, it could be an easy one to have somebody turn to the dark side, uh, get a little bonus, and then get some dark side points on it too. Uh, so it can just kind of be one of those ones, especially with uh, the force users, you can flavor that in and uh, kind of bring that aspect of it into the campaign as well. Absolutely. That's actually a amazing uh, example or way to, to utilize that for sure. Uh, so another one that's a little bit related, uh, this is gonna be from Call of Cthulhu. Uh, and this is um, basically pushing a roll. Uh, and this is after the fact. So you get to attempt a roll again. And I know generally, you know, you don't really see that in, in 5e. You know, if you fail, generally you're gonna fail. But this is cool. You essentially, you have to give a great argument on how you're going to attempt again to to try and and do this um, of course for some things it's going to be easier than others uh, in a social situation that might be different maybe you give a different argument and there's still a chance but uh, anyway so you give that argument to your dm of, of how you're going to try again and then you do but the trade-off here is you get to try again but there's a bigger consequence so kind of going back to the devil's bargain you know those things that that are the cost of getting the bonus you know maybe some of these costs are now the cost of, of getting that attempted roll again tegan as you said you know dark side point you know maybe just uh, it, it kind of ticks you in that direction for some reason or whatever would apply uh to the situation there definitely it could be some fun opportunities to have a fail check open up some cool rps or character direction uh and it's going to make some make something out of it rather than just a bad roll yeah absolutely so uh, we've got a couple here from Pathfinder 2. I know you're a little bit familiar with that, Tegan. Um, and this one's really cool. Skills for initiative is the first one. Uh, tell us about that one. So it's a really cool way that they do it. So usually uh, for initiative, it's for Pathfinder, it's going to be perception. Uh, but the nice thing with it is you can be, depending on the situation, it has to fit the situation. You can use like other skills for your initiative role. Uh, so like, let's say you're a rogue and uh, you guys are planning on ambushing somebody and you're stealthing right now. Uh, you could use your stealth skill in place for your initiative role. 
Uh, so just kind of a cool way to recognize that. It can be used for all those skills as long as you can make an argument for how this situation fits and how you use the skill to fit that situation. Uh, but it's just kind of a fun way to break it up versus just doing that static initiative role. Uh, I think it encourages some creative thinking uh, as well as could be have some cool RP flavor with it. Uh, just making sure, and you can do this easily for Star Wars 5e too. Uh, make sure to, like, uh, I know some players may try to start cheesing it. So just try to make sure you're like, getting some like uh, good, good responses or good reasons for how this skill may apply, uh, but it can be a cool way to mix it up and just get some variety uh, and make it just not so bland for initiative roles. Yeah, I really like that one a lot. Uh, I, I think you do have to make sure it, it works and it fits well, uh, as you said, but I think it's a good one. And, uh, you know, some some classes, some builds just don't focus on that dexterity and, and that puts them at a little bit of a you know, a, a negative, uh, my, my, uh, guardian in, in your hunted campaign, uh, he's got pretty low decks. So, uh, it, it'd be nice if I could maybe find something else to, to get a little leg up on it. So definitely a good one. Uh, another one from Pathfinder two that we have on here is their critical success and failure system. What's that all about? This one's pretty cool. Uh, this one, you may have to tweak the numbers for 5e because Pathfinder gets a little bit more bloated with numbers and kind of 5e streamlined with uh, bounded accuracy. Uh, but basically, this does a couple of big things. Uh, so uh, for the easy ones, uh, so for 1 in 20, success, failure. Uh, and I know a lot of 5e players are used to that, but it translates not just into attack rolls, uh, but also into skill and saving throws. Uh, so like, let's say you got fireballed or explosion uh, with a 1 you would fail uh, and you would take, uh, I think, double damage for it. So it'd be like kind of a crit failure on that side. Uh, or on the 20 side, you could critically succeed and you don't take any damage at all. Uh, so kind of a cool way to recognize those ones and 20s, even for like uh, saving throws and things they may not play as well with. Uh, but the other cool thing it does too is like, let's say you, if you beat an objective, so let's say you're hitting somebody, they've got a AC of 15 uh, and you roll out a 25. Uh, that would be treated as a, a critical success since you beat it by 10. Uh, so if you beat an uh, AC by 10 or uh, a DC by 10, uh, they'll treat it like a critical success and you'll get some bonuses for it. Uh, same thing if you fail a DC by 10, uh, you'll get some penalties on that side too. Uh, so one of those ones uh, is with uh, 5e, maybe a little bit of Star Wars 5e or 5e, it'd be a little bit harder because those numbers are smaller, but it's kind of a cool way to recognize like you hit that guy so well that, I mean, especially it's always it's kind of a letdown, but sometimes a little bit harder when you roll like a 28 uh, with the guy's AC was 15 and you didn't crit, so it doesn't really do too much for you. But uh, this way it gives you a little bit of extra from rolling so well with it. Uh, with Star Wars 5e versus even having to be a full critical, you could even just have them roll an extra weapons die or add a little bit extra to it. Just something to kind of recognize that and just give a little bit more flavor of fun to some of the swings of the dice. Yeah, absolutely. A great example there too of, you know, really doing well on the roll and it, it, it's not a, anything a little extra. So I think that's a good way to do that for sure. Uh, moving on here, we have uh, another one that uh, I, I, I've heard of this called like, essentially, I know a guy and it's it, one version of it I found in Stars Without Number, uh, another great uh, kind of sci-fi based system uh, for anyone that has not checked it out. But uh, it, it's in their kind of house rules section, um, and it's called plot points. Uh, and so points as in like a, a score, a token, uh, a resource, if you will. And essentially, this, is, uh, this gives a little bit of narrative control over to the PCs. 
um, to allow them to, you know, it could potentially be to save them from a, a bad situation uh, or even just create, uh, make some statements about the situation they're in or the story, et cetera. Um, you know, that I know a guy thing. So you come in and, and you're looking for something or you're looking for somebody or whatever, and, and you can just, oh, you know what? I know a guy, I know that, uh, I know that pilot, you know, who, who from uh, Tatooine and, and, you know, whatever, and then bring it into the story and it helps you guys out. Maybe you guys are in a bad situation and same sort of thing. Oh yeah, I remember this or that and it helps you out. Um, with Stars Without Number, they use, you know, the points. So I think it said you get like two per level, um, each player, and then they reset every time you level up. So you got to use them. Uh, 5e, you could potentially use inspiration or add on, say, all right, in addition to add uses to what inspiration does instead of just only re-rolling a dice you can turn in inspiration to do one of these things um, you might want to limit it more with that because inspiration might be earned much more often but anyway that's a really fun one to to just kind of help the players uh add things to the story as well definitely it's kind of a cool one is if you want to get some fun rp moments in or kind of like get a little character spotlight this could be a cool way to encourage that uh, especially during some of the more rp or social missions to uh, kind of let some people shine and build some aspects of the story themselves all right uh so tegan you mentioned at the beginning of the episode that you got a brand new book from uh, matt colville and and you put that down on the list of uh you know something to gain some inspiration uh from and it's brand new but uh tell us already your ideas on what you're going to borrow from that Definitely. So yeah, I've only read it today, so I've gone too deep into it, but there's a lot of sweet stuff that works perfectly for Star Wars. Um, two of the big things, it's called Kingdoms of Warfare, so it goes over a lot of different groups and uh, how to conduct warfare on a large scale for a campaign. Uh, and nice thing with this is all, as I was reading, like it all fits perfectly for Star Wars. You have to tweak a few things, update a few things, but it's one of those ones you can almost plop right into a Star Wars campaign. Uh, two of the big features that goes over are domains and warfare. Uh, domains are basically kind of like the different groups uh, that you can make into either kingdoms, factions, uh, anything that you'd like to. Well, Star Wars, you can make them into different groups. So you can make one like the Black Sun or uh, the Heart Cartels or the Empire, um, whatever you want to do. Just a couple tweaks, you could easily kind of retrofit it into there. Uh, and then with those uh, different domains, they can go to war, they can spy each other, they can do a lot of different things. And one of the cool things with Star Wars 5e uh, is domains would fit really well with the faction system. Um, you have to tweak a few things, make a few things fit, uh, but you could really easily plop the domains and warfare pieces on top of factions, uh, give a little bit more teeth to them, a little bit more that you can do with it, and just really kind of, uh, you can almost build a whole campaign around it. Uh, so if you guys haven't checked it out, I'm, I'm a huge Colville fan. Uh, I'm still kind of getting the nuts and bolts of it, but there's a lot there that will be fun to use. Yeah, he's got awesome stuff and, you know, a couple of things. I know the minions, he talked about minions a lot in, in one of his things. So great resource and, and kind of a little bit on topic, you know, is just looking at other systems and whatnot. Um, his stuff is all, I think, generally for 5e, yes? Yeah, mostly, yeah, mo pretty much all for 5e. Yeah. So even, you know, even, you know, mo for in general, I think Star Wars 5e pulls pretty much everything over, but look at... Uh, you know, things that other people create for the system, you know, Matt Colville, for example, um, another one here along that same vein is, uh, you know, our very own storm chaser, uh, has, uh, his own rule set that is, uh, you know, expanded on the 5e system. Uh, Tegan, I th you've run some games with that. 
Yeah, definitely. So I've got a weekly D&D campaign that you, or uses the modified version of the Storm Chaser system. So it's a fantastic system. It adds, uh, so nice things too, Storm Chaser, he's on the Star Wars 5e council. Uh, so a lot of the things mirror Star Wars 5e. So they've got the same fighting styles, masteries, uh, a few other class features are kind of similar on that side. So if you're like me that started playing the Star Wars 5e, like the depth for it, and it was hard to go back to just regular old D&D, this is a great stepping stone with it. Uh, one thing though, uh, it has like a lot of so pretty complex. It adds some complexity. It adds some good crunches for it. So uh, definitely kind of take a look and see what you like and what you don't like to put in. Uh, my favorite, two favorite things from it are, are some like the the melee options it adds. Uh, so sometimes you're in a melee class, you feel like you're just saying I attack, I, I hit. Uh, then you just not you don't feel like you get as much depth to it. Uh, but with Storm Chasers, they expand on different rules you can do for grappling. Uh, so like with this system, you can go grapple, uh, and then go from a grapple into a restrain, and go from a restrain to a pen. And if you pin somebody, uh, if they stay pinned by the next turn, you can coup de gras them, which pretty much takes all their health out. Uh, so just some cool things like that, uh, as well as uh, different power attacks you can do. So if you wanted to get disadvantage on an attack, uh, you could give uh, your strength bonus times two or strength modifier times two to the damage. Uh, so just cool things like that that give you some different options, different way to think about the battle. Uh, and as a melee class, it's definitely kind of needed there sometimes. Uh, and then the last big thing from uh, that side too on the, the options, they have a cool standing from prone rule. Uh, basically, so sometimes with 5e getting knocked prone doesn't feel like it's kind of the, the detriment it should be on a battlefield, uh, where this gives a little bit more teeth to it. Uh, so with this, uh, if you do get knocked prone, uh, you'd have to make a DC 10 plus two for every hostile or, and within five feet of you and you have to beat that dc to be able to get up uh if you fail the dc um all the people around you will be able to take a opportunity attack of opportunity against you uh, and i forgot the number but if they uh, beat your ac by a certain number you can't even stand all the way up and knock you back prone uh so just uh, cool things like that that add a bit more complexity some more strategy there uh and if you haven't if you do check it out the wounds and vigor system is sweet i haven't found a good way to convert that over to star wars but really sweet for a regular dnd 5v campaign very cool. Yeah, uh, I, I've browsed it a couple times, but uh, lots of good stuff there. Um, and you know what? You mentioned the wounds and vigor. I, I, I think that my I know Storm did a lot with Saga. Uh, I think that was his uh, you know main experience with uh, Star Wars, and um, I think there's a lot of influence there in, in some of the stuff he does. And it's actually you know we haven't mentioned Saga Edition a ton here in this uh, looking to other systems episode, but. Uh, yeah, so you have one other thing here of using the Force. There's, that's another one, you know, go back to some of the, even the old D6 version of Star Wars. There's probably some things there to check out, um, especially really to just put in and say um, narrative material, uh, stories and whatnot. There's so much out there. Uh, everyone's always asking for adventures and things. And, you know, we talked about this before. You don't need you don't need to convert the, the roles and, and things. You can figure that out. Just take the story. It's there, the plot points and it works. But uh, Tegan, tell us uh, about Use the Force from Saga. Definitely. Yeah, Saga is another one I played by pay, play by post, actually on the Storm Chaser server. Uh, and the Use the Force, I brought this kind of into the Hunted campaign. If I did it again, I'd make a couple tweaks to it uh, just to 
with the proficiency score and all that, but it's a cool way, especially if you've got a party full of force users. Uh, sometimes a certain skill may not do what you want it to do. Sometimes with the force, there's like there's certain from the books and movies and TV shows, there's certain things they could do with it that either the skill or power wouldn't cover. This can be a good way to have them make a force check and give them either some more information or have them do something that's just a little bit outside the game bounds, uh, but would fit narratively or fit kind of cinematically. Uh, so I definitely recommend using if you've got like a, a party of mostly force users or all force users, it's a good way to give a little bit extra and just really kind of let the force be felt, like kind of making a presence in the game. Yeah, good one there. Um, you know, I think I know what you're talking about in our hunted game, how that's kind of utilized and it, uh, that works out well, definitely. So um, that's that's most of everything from other systems. A uh, couple more points here as we wrap up uh, other things that I've seen out there mentioned and, and some personal examples, but uh, looking to other games, not necessarily tabletops, but uh, video games, for example, uh, could be a great uh, source of inspiration for things, uh, concepts to bring in. Um, and one here, uh, Tegan, asset accumulation from uh, Mass Effect. Uh, and, and we were talking about this before, that uh, in the last campaign that we did, um, you know, offline, but uh, we use, you utilize this uh, for the last final battle. Definitely. It's a cool way to do it, and, uh, especially if you guys are Mass Effect fans. It's kind of a Mass Effect 3 where you're kind of getting gearing up for that last big battle with uh, the Reapers. Uh, but it could be great for a tabletop game. Uh, so basically, you can just assign certain values or certain objectives. Uh, and uh, so the way I did it for the, the my Spooners campaign, the last campaign, uh, was they had a big war that they were going to on Celest. Uh, and they had to, uh, while on the planet, take certain objectives, and each objective would either give a either like a plus 10 or plus 20 or even an advantage on the roll uh, and basically what i did is at the end i rolled a d100 uh, and used all their modifiers all the bonuses they got uh, and that kind of determined how the war went on the planet after they've done kind of everything they can do to prepare uh, and with that you can have set thresholds for it uh, so you can do like i didn't have like one big battle with it uh, my next campaign after hunted i'm thinking about doing a big use on vong campaign like a big galactic war during the old republic uh, and with that i'm thinking of making that like a whole campaign piece where you have to collect certain objectives for the bonuses and with that you could kind of re-roll that d100 after kind of each arc I uh, kind of see how that overall galactic war is going. If it's pushing, who's winning, who's losing. Uh, it's just a fun one. It kind of gamifies a little bit, but just adds some extra tension and some extra kind of uh, clarity for the players too. Yeah, that was a lot of fun uh, piece to be a player in that and, and really go after that. So uh, definitely a good one. And um, here's one other thing, just to kind of close up on, on this other talk, uh, on this other thought of, of looking at games and whatnot. Uh, I played uh Lord of the Rings Online, uh, and I'm sure this is something in other MMOs and, and whatnot, but, um, you know, a lot of times there would be an enemy that pops up and you're fighting them and then they would basically throw up uh, shields or whatever and you cannot hurt them and they'd pop up the minions, you know, going back to those minions, uh, you know, maybe their tentacles or whatever, and you have to destroy those first before you're able to go back to that main enemy. Um, so that was something one day I was playing and I was like, oh yeah, this would be great to utilize in, in a tabletop, you know, and just use that same concept in there. So uh, just really just further uh, touching on that uh, point of, of using other even video games for inspiration. So uh, Tegan, plenty there, uh, lots of examples and whatnot of other things we enjoyed from other games that uh, you know would be great for uh, bringing into Star Wars 5e. Any other last thoughts? 
nothing big on that side. Uh, it's just, uh, and I encourage all you DMs out there. I know time's a hard piece, and that's definitely the hard piece for me too. But if you can try some other systems, uh, it's always kind of fun to see how other things do it and kind of get some new inspirations or different things you can pull from it. Uh, and I, I encourage you to check out play by post servers. That's how I pretty much try these systems. Uh, it's just a cool way to be able to get to know something new and just kind of have some fun with it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, if you can't, you know, commit to even that much, just try and read up on some systems. That's been a lot of what I've done. And I, you know, I've, I've read the rules and, and seen what they can provide. So as a last resort, definitely go out there and, and expand uh, your knowledge on other systems if you haven't yet, because uh, there's plenty out there. So uh, we hope that this conversation has uh, been enjoyable to everyone out there and uh, give something to add to your current campaigns. If you have any uh, any mechanics or whatever that you've taken from other systems uh, that we haven't mentioned, we'd love to hear about it. So, you know, hit us up on uh, Twitter and let us know or pop into the Discord and uh, let's talk about that. We'd love to hear about it. Uh, next episode, we will be finishing up our uh, discussion on fighting styles and masteries. Uh, so the second half, basically, and we split those down the middle. We're going to look at the uh, remaining 12, I believe it is, in both sides and uh, go over that. So look forward to that one. In the meantime, we will uh, see you then. May the force be with you. May the force be with you.